The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about monkeys, suction cups, lazy people, possums, pillows, yoga, and old airplanes. The music for this show are sounds from Costa Rica from my recent trip, so it's like thunder and birds and toucans and howler monkeys. Basically, I'll give you a little taste of my trip. Let's get on with the show. I've been flying for a long time, so usually a lot of things people do, they don't surprise me, especially their beverage order. So I was on the beverage cart coming back to the United States and this guy ordered a tomato juice and Sprite. And I was like, ugh. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm like, tomato juice and Sprite. I'm like, well, that's a new one. I like a first. And he said, what? You don't like exotic drinks? <laughs> uh, that same trip, a couple things happened on that flight. Sometimes you have some memorable flights. So this woman had, uh, there were three of us in the galley, and she had asked if she could sit in the last row. Sometimes we have planes where they block uh, a couple seats in the last row. In case there's turbulence, there's not enough jump seats, and you don't want to have to run to the front of the plane to sit down and strap in. So they're like safety seats, so they're empty. And she had asked if she could um, sit there for a little while to for breast pumping. And we were like, yeah, sure. So... <laughs> There's three of us in the galley. One's a guy, and uh, this woman comes back to ask for, I think she asked for a cup, but we, the three of us, were like stunned silent because she had those pumps on and, and stuck to her um, breasts, and they were pointing straight down, straight down, and all of us were just trying not not to look, not to look at each other, just get the cup. And then she left and we were like, whoa. <laughs> okay, so that same flight, 
We had a medical emergency. So uh, a guy had fainted three times. And uh, so we paid for it. We got a doctor. We got a nurse. And this young, really pretty flight attendant was the one, uh, whenever you find it, it's yours. So she's staying there with it. And I'm getting the medical equipment. And the other guy's getting the medical form we had to fill out. And we're all working together. And um, I'm, like, coming back and forth, seeing if they need anything, but also trying to be in the galley, you know, trying to do multiple things multitasking. And uh, I come back up and the doctor's asking um, if you're on any medication. He asked, uh, have you had a heart attack? And the guy said, I have a heart attack when I see something so beautiful. <laughs> he was flirting with the young pretty flight attendant. And I'm like, he's fine. Emergency over. If you're flirting, you're fine. <laughs> Okay, and then on that trip, another flight attendant on that trip, we were talking about uh, difficult passengers, and there's a certain group of passengers who are used to having servants, and they look at us as servants, and uh, they can ask some crazy thing. And she said, oh, I had this woman. She was holding the little, she was sitting in first class, and she's holding the little travel lotion that comes in their amenity kit, and she said, can you put this lotion on my feet and that flight attendant said her mouth just dropped open. And, you know, she almost wanted to say something smart back like, hell no, not rubbing lotion on your feet. <laughs> what do you think this is? But she said, um, yes, that's not a service we provide. This is exciting because, you know, the whole year and change from the pandemic, the podcast was a little a little odd in the past year because it's about, you know, flying and flying stories and traveling and traveling stories. And I wasn't doing a lot of some of that <laughs> for part of the year. So it's kind of like, all right, let's see what we're going to talk about this month. Well, I am back. So uh, I went on a trip to Costa Rica. I'd been to Costa Rica uh, two other times, uh, but there's plenty of places to go. So I picked an area I hadn't been to, Manuel Antonio. It's on the west coast um, at the ocean. And I knew there was a good um, national park there. I just basically wanted to see some some animals, get back into the forest, you know, feeling like getting back to my old self. So I uh, took my airline to San Jose, and then I booked a Sansa flight uh, to Manuel Antonio. So I go to check in at the uh, domestic terminal, and uh, the lady goes, <clears throat> um, the Manuel Antonio Airport is closed. And I was like, what? Shoot. Well, and I said, okay. And she said, well, we're going to land in a nearby field and then shuttle you to the marina in uh, Weppos. And I was like, she said, is that okay? And I was like, uh, sure, Okay, you know I don't I don't I don't know any other way to get there. So okay, we'll land in a field. So it was a very bumpy, turbulent flight, and a little tiny. I like those little tiny airplanes. They're all rickety <laughs> and exciting. And uh, it was um, so we go to land, and it was thrilling. A bit a little scary landing on a dirt field and bumpy. <laughs> Nothing but 
<laughs> a chicken and two lazy dogs and one lady with a vest and a clipboard. That was the airport. And everyone, all the nine people on the little plane clapped when we landed. What a way to jumpstart an adventure. And, you know, at the get-go, landing and on a bumpy field in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, I'm back, baby. So we're on our way out of the pandemic, which is very exciting. The airport this past weekend was pre-COVID busy, which was nice to see people back. But there's still quite a few layovers that are restrictive for us that you can't, because a lot of countries, are their numbers are still high. And so there's a lot of places where you're not supposed to leave your room. And a lot of flight attendants aren't that good about not leaving your room. And they still had people like sneaking out to go to the store or whatever. So one country, actually, I think we have two layovers now where they don't give you a key. So they escort you to your room, let you in, don't give you a key. So guess what? You're not leaving when you can't get back in. So basically, it's like, no key for you. And now on a sad note, Herman, my suction cup plastic turtle, to imitate the real live turtle with the suction cups that the late crazy lady had on the plane that a nice flight attendant made for me, he's had an accident. Herman, because some people have been like, where's Herman? You haven't been putting him in your Instagram photos. And it's like, well... He's a little turtle with little plastic arms, and apparently little turtle arms just aren't meant to support suction cups because one of his arms fell off. So now he's a two suction cup. He's a handicapped suction cup turtle, but on most surfaces, he just doesn't stick to with the two suction cups. So he might make an appearance here or there, but he's, he's, he's a handicapped turtle. Well, we were on a flight, and usually everybody knows where someone is sitting that needs a wheelchair or a stretcher or something to get off the airplane, but I guess this girl didn't know. Everybody got off the plane, the guy was still sitting there. We were waiting on the straight bag to come and get him. To carry him off the plane. To carry him off the plane. And so she walks up behind him and hit him in the back and said, come on, lazy bones, why are you still here? <laughs> lazy bones. And he was a paraplegic. He wasn't able to get <laughs> Lazy bones. Oh, that's horrible. We all just, but he was good about it. He said, I've been called a lot of things, but never that. <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell her why he was still sitting there. She could have died at that point. I bet. What is with the slippers at the airport? I mean, flip-flops are bad enough, but I see. It seems like it's getting to be many, many more. And I I talked to other flight attendants about it and they're like, well, because right now the people who are flying aren't who was normally flying and then there were really cheap fares. Um, but I see all these people walking through the airport in house slippers, fluffy house slippers. It's like, really? Really? Like, what is the thought process? Okay, I want to be comfortable. Well, I'm comfortable in my fluffy, dirty house slippers, but... uh Come on, it's like uh, classy. So I was talking to a flight attendant who I had never met before on the way to Europe. And um, she was showing me pictures of this new um, house she had bought with a lot of land. And she was, I mean, it was a really beautiful house. And I was really enjoying seeing all the stuff she was doing 
with her property. And then as she's showing me the picture, she happened to say, oh, well, here, this this has been fun. She goes, I, I was putting food out for these two uh, stray cats on the property. And, um, and I then saw there was a, a possum out there. And I was like, oh, I love possums. <laughs> we started bonding over possums. And I was saying, um, she was like, yeah, I call her Harriet. And I just love watching her eat. And I think she's so cute. And I was like, oh, I follow possums on Instagram. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but it Anybody who listens to the podcast know I love wildlife, and a lot of my traveling has to do with seeing wildlife, like going to Madagascar to see the lemurs, going to Borneo to see the orangutans, and um, so I just love any—I just love any wild creatures, and they can even be the creepy crawly creatures. I just like all of them, and uh, a lot of people follow celebrities on social media, but I follow possums, foxes, and raccoons. <laughs> Like, it's me, Sesame, and Juniper Fox. And you know what? They don't post that often. And like once a day, I get a smile over this baby possum or, you know, a fox sleeping in a bed looking like a like a person. Anyway, I just, I just, it's uplifting. So we were talking about the possum. So she wasn't aware. I was like, oh, on the van going to the hotel, I'll show you some of these, um, uh, Instagram rock star possums and foxes. <laughs> so then we're on the van and we're talking about the possums and I'm showing her, I'm like, look at this. And she's like, oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. When she was showing me all her photos of her house and stuff, she makes these giant uh, chartreuse. I have trouble saying that board, you know, like fruit and cheese and figs. And she makes these elaborate. She gets the ingredients in Europe. And I was like, oh, yeah. And these these people on Instagram, they'll make like they they'll make a present like at Christmas or their birthday. And they'll put something that smells really good, like meat or something that uh, they know the animal likes in. And they'll wrap it up with a bow. And because the possum, they got the hands, they'll open up the present. And I said, I bet you because Harriet is a wild possum. And I bet, I said, I bet Harriet has never gotten a present before. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, or you can make Harriet a charcuterie board. <laughs> I'm like, you could have Harriet the gourmet possum. Anyway, uh, I realized, because I get so excited and animated. Um, and, you know, it's in the middle of the night when we're going to the hotel in Paris. I was like, I had to apologize to some people. And I was like, I guess that was a lot of possum talk for the crew van. <laughs> I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon. You took an extra second and went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, and click on any of the Amazon links. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. And I like to see what people buy. Somebody bought this past month The Dragon Republic, The Poppy War, Book 2. And Chaos on the Catnet. It's a sequel to Catfishing on Catnet. And I liked this one because when I was a kid at camp, I used to like, um, to, we had an archery section. And I, I really liked the bow and arrow and I haven't done it for years and years and years. But somebody bought a handmade wooden bow and arrow set. 20 wood arrows and two quivers. You never hear the word quiver anymore. So anyway, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, please consider going to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, and I thank you so very much. (laughs) 
So I had picked this hotel called Hotel Costa Verde in Manuel Antonio. It's not sponsored. Um, I should probably look into something like that, like trading an ad for free hotel rooms. But I don't know about that because I wouldn't want to recommend a place just because I got a free room. Because what if I didn't like it or love it? So anyway, but this hotel, Hotel Costa Verde, I had, you know, looked online. And as soon as I saw that they had a 727 fuselage treehouse and another airplane room called the cockpit cottage and then I had looked on um, TripAdvisor and there were all these people had all these pictures of all the monkeys that were just at the hotel and I was like old airplanes monkeys I'm in (laughs) so it was a a surprisingly nice room for $107 a night which is that's a good price for a room and the room was big lots of windows an expansive view of the ocean a big balcony and a kitchen. I mean, it was was a nice room, but the room wasn't the highlight. Uh, The lush tropical grounds, they're like frequented by troops of monkeys and toucans. Uh, The setting was just unbelievable, but I especially liked those airplanes. So the 727 treehouse and the cockpit cottage, they were pretty expensive, but also they were already booked because they've been in a lot of magazines and TV shows. But then they have two other old plane carcasses that are being converted into hotel rooms. So for me, I got, my goodness, I would go to these other places, like the hiking around the national park. I I walked like 12 miles that day, and I did get to see a caiman bite the tail off of an iguana. I saw the iguana run off with a, with a missing a tail, and there was blood. And then I watched, I watched the iguana tail move up and down in the caiman's mouth for what, what seemed, it seemed like five minutes. It maybe wasn't that long, but it's just amazing that it can move that much when it's not connected anymore. It was kind of shocking. But so I was like, here I was like, he get hot. You know, it's, it's because of the humidity. If you're hiking around, um, you get so hot, you can wring out your underwear. <laughs> and then I go back to my hotel and I saw that there was like a whole troop of squirrel monkeys, which is what I was looking for when I was hiking for 12 miles, getting super hot. And here it is at my beautiful hotel. I could have just stayed home <laughs> and let the monkeys come to me. I got to see howler monkeys, capuchins, squirrel monkeys, toucans, iguanas, and then you had those old airplanes. I'll tell you, that hotel was like an aviation slash monkey magic forest. I was at the pool, and I do like when people have a hard book that they're reading. I like, kind of like to see what people are reading. It's how I used to pick books on the plane, and then when everybody started reading digitally, it's like I don't know what people are reading. So I always do notice. So there was this uh, attractive-looking youngish couple, and um, the guy, uh, I thought, oh, look, he's got a real book. So I'm just walking by, and what he's reading is... <laughs> love her or lose her. And I was like, huh. And then I started thinking, because I'm re- I'm swimming laps. You do a lot of thinking as you're swimming laps. You're not doing anything else. And uh, I was like, I bet you he didn't buy that book, love her or lose her. It's like a self-help book, you know. And uh, 
I thought, well, that's interesting. So I, I could just see the scene where the wife goes, hey, I got you a book. And he's like, great. And then he reads the title, Love Her or Lose Her. And it's like, great. So depending on when you're listening to this, things are opening up. But this past month, uh, there's still lots of countries we're not allowed into as uh, Americans because of the coronavirus. So uh, you can have some disruptions to your travel and you need to be prepared because there's some crazy stuff out there. So I was working a flight home from Paris to the United States. And the day before, that flight had a mechanical and they waited on the ground for like nine hours. They finally canceled the flight. But get this, because we're not allowed into France, they wouldn't let them go to a hotel because of the coronavirus. And they had to spend the night in the airport. Oh, it's just like a it's just like a traveling nightmare to wait nine hours, have a flight canceled. You're not allowed to go to a hotel. And they gave them a pillow. It's like, gee, thanks. So in the last episode, I had said that, well, if you didn't like any of those journals from back when I was younger and I was traveling and I always have these great intentions of writing a journal and I'd write it for a little bit at the beginning of the trip and then I get busy with the adventure and then I stop writing the journal. Well, I thought I had gone through all of them, but I lied. I just... (laughs) I just found another one. I don't know why they're in so many different places. I don't know why I didn't keep them all in one place. So I'm going to read this. Um, I probably shouldn't say it's the last one because watch me find another one next month. But this is from the year 2000. And it starts, I'm either very adventurous or very stupid because I'm sitting in a bus in Jordan waiting to go to Petra alone. My original plan was to join a tour. However, the two-day trip didn't leave for three days, so I decided to wing it on my own. I suppose I should backtrack somewhat as to how I got here. I haven't even finished my journal from my trip to Morocco 40 days ago, and now I'm one week into another trip abroad. My friend and I had set out for Tel Aviv. When I got home from my Morocco trip, she had asked me if I was interested in going to a yoga retreat in the Sinai. Initially, I resisted because I just got home. And who goes to Africa twice in three months? Well, looks like I do. The retreat sucked me in for three reasons. First, I had always wanted to go to the Sinai for some time. And second, the teacher was one of my favorite teachers in the world. And I've taken her week-long workshop twice, and she only comes to L.A. once a year from Italy. So my friend and I had discussed going to Italy for a workshop, but it cost $1,500. So for some reason, this trip was a six-day workshop, and it only cost $450, including the hotel. So I rearranged my vacation and decided to to go to the Sinai. Well, I thought about it, and I thought, why go all that way and not look around a bit? In the end, I decided to stay on for two weeks on my own and see Israel and Jordan. Our travel to the Sinai started off bad and got worse. Our flight to New York City was late due to a mechanical, and the one after it canceled, so now it was full. Nothing like starting out with a bang. Actually, a false bang, because we got a seat in business, no less. (laughs) The delay hampered our connection to the Sabina flight, so we opted for a later flight that still gave us two and a half hour connection in Brussels. 
As per our luck on this trip, that one was late also. Okay, travel day two could be called less than perfect because both the flights were an hour late and we only had an hour and a half connection time in Brussels. As we were exiting the aircraft, my friend was telling me that Europe had already sprung forward. With that time change, now we had 27 minutes to collect our bags, get through customs, check in. Mama mia, that's impossible. We didn't know what to do. Get our bags and miss our flight or catch our flight and lose our bags. The yoga workshop had arranged transportation from Tel Aviv to the Sinai at 7 a.m. So we chose to run for the flight. They told us they would call for the bags and have them sent over. Lo and behold, we got there and no bags. So we in Tel Aviv, we had to like run around. We didn't know how long it was going to take to get our bags because we were going to a different country. I mean, they don't ship bags to a different country. <laughs> you know, we were going to be in Egypt and we had been flying into Israel. So we ran around, got a, like something we could use as since we were going to a yoga retreat, uh, something we could use as yoga clothes. And then we got up and then we had the bus ride to the Sinai. We made some calls, very expensive calls, to try to locate our luggage. Luckily, the bags were sent to Alot, which is the southernmost town in Israel, which was nice of them considering we were standby passengers. So the next day, we would recross the border back to Israel to retrieve our bags. We took an expensive taxi and got to the border and got a taxi to the airport in Alot. The small airport was a mass of people pushing and shoving. At first, it seemed like we were never going to be able to retrieve our bags, but we got them. So then after entering Egypt, it was either take that expensive taxi ride back to Nueva or take the like 50 cent bus. So I thought, what the heck? But my friend was saying, oh, there's something wrong. They're thieves. Something's fishy. I did manage to get her on the bus, and it was all fine, but she kept saying, I know there's something wrong, the driver's suspicious, and we made it back just fine. So the vacation so far was not very relaxing. It was just rush, 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 bag problem, bag problem, bag problem. <laughs> and now the morning yoga class was better, but still not very challenging. Well, the teacher knew we were more advanced and asked us to stay afterwards and practice with her. Well, this was quite a coup. I had never had a private practice with a teacher, let alone a famous teacher. And it was just like so exciting to be able to spend the time with her. That evening, we walked into town. There were some shops and bars, nothing too exciting, but the relaxed atmosphere of the bars looked as if it would be a fun place just to lounge. On the way home, we got a taxi and the driver mentioned that he could take us to see the dolphin. I had read about and was trying to arrange a trip there since we arrived, and so we set it up that tomorrow we would go to see the dolphin. I had read in numerous guidebooks the story of Holly, the dolphin. She had left her pod because somehow her dolphin husband had died, and she met this Bedouin fisherman and fell, quote-unquote, in love. <laughs> so she's not fenced in in any way, but chooses to live with the Bedouin. As the story goes, the fisherman was deaf, and the dolphin hurt, and they healed each other, and the Bedouin was an outcast in the village, but... 
now holds a high place in the village because he brings in money and tourists to the area. Our taxi driver took us and we paid 10 pounds, about $2.50, to swim with Holly. At first, I wasn't too thrilled with the situation. There were many tourists and all yelling and chasing the dolphin. I started to find the situation problematic. Would you believe at that very moment, a beautiful boy swam up to me and said, come, come with me. And he started to swim away from the crowd. I followed him and he dove down and clapped two rocks together like magic. The dolphin swam to us. He took my hand and we swam together with the dolphin. Then he showed me how to touch it and pet it. It was obvious he had a connection with Holly. He was the Bedouin's son. I could have kept this little treasure to myself, but that wouldn't have been very kind. So I came to the surface and flagged down my friend and told her to go with the beautiful Bedouin boy. I couldn't believe my good fortune. The crowd dispersed and it was just us and the dolphin. She felt so smooth and soft. What an amazing creature. At one point, I stuck my head out of the water and said, Isn't life grand? We were standing in the back galley, and one of my good friends, who's a flight attendant, was saying, you know, there were some some funny things that happened during the pandemic. It's it's easier now that we're coming out of it to look at look back at it and see some of the strange things. And he said he was flying in um, home from Asia, and I think he said they had like 10 people on the flight. And then he was at the airport in Seattle, and He had just never seen an airport with no people in it. It was like surreal. And he was just like walking through the airport, listening to his footsteps, thinking, wow, this is just like, what's happening? You know, like the world has ended. And he said the only person he saw was a guy with a really uh, official with a really big gun. And he was like, oh, my God, it's like the end of days. And then he realized that they hadn't changed the airport music. And as he's walking... The only person in the airport, except for a um, security guy with a giant gun. And what's playing at the airport is walking on sunshine. (laughs) It's time to feel good. I go, okay. I love the sound. Part of the reason I had picked the Hotel Costa Verde is I had looked on their website and I saw that not only did they have those airplane rooms, but they had this famous airplane as one of their restaurants. I'm going to read you some of this because I think it's really interesting. The name of the restaurant is El Avion, and it's a Our Fairchild C-123 was part of one of the biggest scandals of the 1980s. The Reagan administration set up a bizarre network of arms sales to Iran designed to win the release of the U.S. hostages held in Lebanon and raise money to fund the Nicaraguan counter-revolutionary guerrilla fighters, commonly referred to as the Contras, by artificially inflating the prices of the arms. NSC official Oliver North was able to reap profits that could be diverted to fund the counter-revolutionaries of the Cuban-aligned Sandinista government. Of the $16 million raised, only $3.8 million actually funded the Contras. With the CIA's help, they purchased several items, including two C-123 cargo planes. They also built a secret airstrip on an American-owned 
30,000-acre ranch in northwest Costa Rica. On October 5, 1986, a U.S. cargo plane, the twin sister of El Avion's own Fairchild C-123, was shot down over Nicaragua. A crew member was a pilot hired by a private company to fly, airlift, and resupply missions, parachuted to safety, and was captured by the Sandinista Army. Led out of that jungle at gunpoint, the pilot's existence set in motion an incredible chain of cover-ups and lies that would mushroom into one of the biggest scandals in American political history known as the Iran-Contra affair. As a result of this successful Sandinista strike, our own Fairchild sister plane, the cargo operation, was suspended, and one of the C-123s was abandoned at the International Airport in San Jose. And now it's resting place in paradise. In August 2000, they purchased the abandoned Fairchild and shipped the pieces of, of the Iran-Contra relic to Wepos. The fuselage was shipped via ocean ferry because it was 10 inches too wide for the antiquated Chiquita Banana Railroad bridges. After hauling several sections up the Manuel Antonio Hill, the C-123 finally found its current cliffside resting place. Now that C-123 has been retired to a less risque endeavor as a restaurant, bar, and enduring Cold War relic. Well, let me tell you, I ate breakfast at L.A. Bion. Almost every morning I was there. And not only is it this like famous old plane, but it has this beautiful view of the ocean, really good food. And not only that, the squirrel monkeys would come in from the forest at breakfast. Monkeys at breakfast. <laughs> what more could you ask for? I've mentioned before that a good friend of mine had told me that this great moisturizer for your hair is mayonnaise. So I sometimes will take mayonnaise with me on a trip and in the hotel room, I'll put the mayonnaise on, I'll put it on a shower cap, uh, let it sit for a while and then take a shower. And my hair, I usually get a lot of compliments that day on my hair, all because of the mayonnaise. So I had put the mayonnaise on, you know, I'm naked because you don't want to get mayonnaise on your clothes. <laughs> You know, you don't want to smell like eau de sandwich. So I, uh, naked, I have the mayo on my hair. I've got my shower cap on. And then I, uh, just doing a few things. And now it's time to take a shower, get ready for work, and go. And what are the chances? I mean, really, what are the chances? The shower was broken. You could have probably thought where the story was going. But the water came out of the bath spigot, but the thing you pull up to make it go to the shower, and I was thinking, I'm going to fix this. I can fix it. I'm pulling it up, and then I'm trying to, and I was thinking, well, maybe there, there was like kind of a jiggy thing on the actual shower, like to make it different. Um, sometimes you can make it more like a stronger spray or lighter spray, and I'm like, maybe that's it. So I'm fiddling with that, and um, I'm like pulling really hard on the thing that makes uh, to pull it up to make it go to the shower. And now I know some of you are thinking, well, call down to the front desk and they'll send somebody up. Now, remember, I'm naked with a bunch of mayonnaise on my hair with a shower cap on. I don't want to call somebody. Uh, and how long is that going to take? And now I'm like at the point where I need to get ready for work. So uh, I don't really have time 
to have wait for someone to come up. Then I'm going to have to put clothes on. I'm afraid I'm going to get the mayonnaise on my clothes. So I decided, <laughs> very glamorous, <laughs> to use a coffee cup. So I just would take the the coffee cup under the spigot where because it came it went into the bathtub and pour it over my head and believe me this was not it's not an easy process because I have a lot of mayonnaise on my head <laughs> so the moral of the story is if you're gonna put mayonnaise on your head test the shower first to make sure it works I'm sure that'll be very helpful to a lot of people fantastic. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Hey, kids, when you fly together, she'll tell you where she's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? So fasten for takeoff and the signal is strong Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen